and it'd be good to be an encouragement to Miss Joanna as well and express gratitude for Miss June. Do both of those things. All right, Exodus chapter 9. So we are, we are past the evil that is Haman and his effort to exterminate the Jewish people. And uh, the Jews have been afforded the opportunity to defend themselves. And all of that, all of that emotional trauma, all of that very real danger, all of the effort to fight for themselves and the, the subsequent conflict that came as a result of them defending themselves, that is all in the rearview mirror. We say it this way, they are out of the woods in that chapter of their history, in that chapter of their life. So we pick up in verse number 20, and Mordecai wrote these things and sent letters unto all the Jews that were in all the provinces of the king Ahasuerus both nigh and far, to establish this among them, that they should keep the 14th day of the month Adar and the 15th day of the same yearly, as the days wherein the Jews rested from their enemies, and the month which was turned unto them from sorrow to joy and from mourning into a good day, that they should make them days of feasting and joy and of sending portions one to another and gifts to the poor. And the Jews undertook to do as they had begun and as Mordecai had written unto them, because Haman the son of Hamadatha the Agagite, the enemy of all the Jews, had devised against the Jews to destroy them and had cast purr, that is, the lot, to consume them and to destroy them. But when Esther came before the king, he commanded by letters that his wicked device, which he devised against the Jews, should return upon his own head, and that he and his son should be hanged on the gallows. Wherefore they called these days Purim, after the name of Pur, therefore, for all the words of this letter and of that which they had seen concerning this matter and which had come unto them, the Jews ordained and took upon them and upon their seed and upon all such as joined themselves unto them, so as it should not fail, that they would keep these two days according to their writing and according to their appointed time every year, and that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation, every family, every province, and every city, and that these days of Purim should not fail from among the Jews, nor the memorial of them perish from their seed. Then Esther the queen, the daughter of Abihail, and Mordecai the Jew, wrote with all authority to confirm this second letter of Purim, and he sent the letters unto all the Jews to the 120 and seven provinces of the kingdom of Ahasuerus with words of peace and truth to confirm these days of Purim in their times appointed according as Mordecai the Jew and Esther the queen had enjoined them. And as they had decreed for themselves and for their seed the matters of the fastings and their cry and the decree of Esther confirmed these matters of Purim and it was written in the book. Interesting passage, but there's an encouraging truth I want to share with you tonight. This is the thought, remember the days when God worked. Remember the days when God worked. Father, it's good to be a part of your church and so thankful that we get to be here tonight and thankful for your goodness and your blessing in our lives, God. You're a gracious and a faithful God 
and we sure do love you and thank you for all that we get to enjoy because of your son, Jesus Christ, and through the blessing of being a part of a church family like this. And so as we look in the book of Esther, Father, I pray that you would help us to glean from this the things that you would have to help us and to encourage us in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. How many of you feel bad for Brother Max today? Man, it's, it's rough. Yeah, thank you, Brother Vi. It's rough. By the way, I'm proud of Brother Vi. My son has turned out really well. And, you know, I, see, I was looking up, at him, looking up at him on the platform. I'm like, man, my son has really grown into... And for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, you'll have to go back and watch this morning's message, and that was not my fault. But I'm just rolling with it right now anyway. Um, you feel sorry for Brother Max. Man, to have to share your birthday on Valentine's Day, it is tough, bro. And I, I almost sat in sackcloth and ashes for you this afternoon. But instead I went to Freddy's and figured that would be better. And so, yeah, so you know what, you know what? birthdays are they are the commemoration they're they're celebrations of life celebration of a significant moment I guarantee you Miss Carrie's happy he was born yeah her life is good with brother Max in it yeah so no I'm not I'm not being silly thankful for it Alex and Charlie are thankful for it Alexandria and Charlie they're thankful for it West Valley ought to be thankful for it, and Tinsley's are, a, Tinsley's are a blessing. And so Brother Max has this day in which we commemorate his entrance into the world, or we don't, but we're still thankful. <laughs> Here in chapter 9, verse number 20, Mordecai is given, in chapter 9, there's a summary of events, and Mordecai is commemorating God's amazing deliverance. Now, I'm not going to go back and preach the previous eight chapters, but can we just pause and agree that the deliverance of his people during that time was nothing short of miraculous. You had all the forces of the world power at the time aligned against for the purpose of exterminating this particular race of people. It was genocide on every level. And it seemed as though every force and every resource was targeting them. It's though every gun, every missile, every, every effort to destroy them was pointed at them. And surely King Ahasuerus had other things going on in the world that would have required his attention. Surely there were other problems and other concerns in his kingdom and in this pro in all of, with all of these 127 provinces. And yet through the deceit and the maliciousness of Haman, a law is written giving everyone in the kingdom the permission to eradicate the Jews on a certain day. We know the story how Esther, being a Jew, raised by her, raised by her extended family, Mordecai, she, she's in a position of influence and Mordecai encourages her to use that influence as queen to go before the king and she does it and you remember the risk involved in all of that and how when many people would have lost their life for approaching the king as Esther did, 
Esther does not lose her life. She has the favor of God and she intercedes for her people. Mordecai is eventually promoted. Haman's plot is undone. Haman himself, along with his sons, are destroyed. And the threat is completely removed. You say, how did that happen? Well, number one, God got involved. Say, God's name's not mentioned here. But just because his name isn't mentioned doesn't mean you can't see his fingerprints all over this. Number two... People chose to live by faith. And you just, you take, you do the, the things that are right in front of you by faith. And it's amazing what God can turn those into in his time when he's ready. It's amazing. Has anything amazing ever happened in your life by the work of God? Anything ever happened? Like, I, th- that was just amazing. Until some of you were having trouble, so let me remind you. You remember when you got saved? Remember the day you trusted in Jesus Christ? I'm not, I'm not asking if you remember the exact minute or the day or the hour, but do you remember that moment when you recognized I'm a sinner and I need Jesus Christ and you trusted in him? Man, I do. Man, I was a little, I was a little kid. You say, how did you get saved then? I, the same way you get saved when you're 80, you put your faith in Jesus Christ. I just believed in the one as much as I could as a little child and distinctly remember from that moment on having trusted in the Son of God to be my Savior. It's amazing. It's wonderful. You uh, ever go through a trial and you didn't know how you would ever make it through and then yet over time God just showed up and was faithful day after day after day after day. You ever experienced any victory out of great sorrow? Ever seen God work? You ever seen God work in your family and help going through some kind of loss, going through some kind of difficulty, and yet through very unexpected ways, through very unexpected people, through very uncertain and unexpected times, God reveals himself and he helps you with exactly what you need in the moments that you need it. Have you ever experienced the work of God in your life? Have you ever seen God work? Have you ever experienced God helping you? Have you ever experienced God's provision when you were trying to live by faith and you make a commitment but you don't know how you're going to keep that commitment because of different things that are out of your control or maybe some things are in your control and you begin to plead with God and seek him and exactly what you need when you need it, it arrives just in time and the needs are taken care of. It's almost like the Bible is true when it says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I mean, have you seen God work in your life? Have you ever prayed for someone you thought there was no hope for? But you just chose to live by faith. You're like, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to pray for this person. I'm going to talk to this person. I'm going to send a note to this person. I'm going to invest, and I'm going I'm to do my best to be for them what Jesus would want me to be. And it didn't happen exactly when you wanted it to, but over time and through many tears, through some ups, sometimes through a lot of downs, you just kept seeking God. And eventually that person had a humble heart before the Lord and turned to Jesus Christ. And things began to change in a way you could have never and Anticipated. Has God ever done that? You seen that? You ever seen God come through in the life of a church? Like I don't know how this is going to work out, man. I don't know how this is going to work out with Miss June, Miss Joanna. Well, have you ever seen transitions work out? Well, that's still in question, sir. <laughs> you seen God work? Seen God work? Seen, seen him help? Yep. 
Well, Mordecai is thinking about that. He's thinking about how incredibly amazing it is that God has worked. Here's the, here's the really, it's, a, it's the struggle of humanity. It doesn't matter how amazing God's work is. It is really easy for us to forget about it. You know, it's, it's kind of like at Christmas with kids. They act like every Christmas they've never received a good present in their life. And then they get the thing that they cannot live without. And in a week, it's on to something. You know what I'm talking about. It's amazing how quickly we forget the goodness of God in our lives. And so Mordecai is considering this. He's considering the magnitude of what God has done. And he's considering the propensity of humanity to forget how good God can be. And so he makes, beginning in verse 20, he makes something of an official Jewish decree specifically targeting the Jews in the kingdom. Now he wasn't the king, but by this time he's already been promoted to a position of power. He's replaced Haman in the king's royal cabinet And so he has influence in the kingdom, and even by the Jewish people, he's regarded as a significant figure and one whom God used mightily in their deliverance. And so he has the authority of the king, and he has the respect, the the reverence of the people, and he has the ability, the influence to be able to use that to direct the attention of the Jewish people, if you will. So he sends out a letter and establishes a decree that sets the 14th and 15th day of the month Adar as a time of significant remembrance and celebration. Now, you look in uh, verse number 21 to establish this among them, that they should keep the 14th day of the month Adar and the 15th day of the same yearly. So this is supposed to be an annual celebration that takes place over the course of these two days, the same time every year, the month Adar. Now, Adar would correspond to our month, March. And it was on the 14th and the 15th day of these months that they were to remember the deliverance of God. The text tells us how that they were supposed to remember them in verse number 22. As the days wherein the Jews were from their enemies. You remember the statement, we're out of the woods? Yeah, that's what he's talking about. We rested from our enemies, meaning our enemies were defeated, and the month which was turned unto them from sorrow to joy, meaning this went from really bad to really good. Notice what they do, and from morning into a good day that they should make them days of feasting and joy and of sending portions one to another and gifts to the poor. Now, I just want to make a couple of points about this. It is okay to celebrate national holidays for the right reason. It's okay. Man, I love Independence Day. You say, man, our forefathers had some issues. Yeah, every leader in every point of history has had some wars. It doesn't mean God didn't use them to get in motion a place where eventually all men could be free. Have opportunity. Man, I'm all about blowing up some fireworks. Thank you, Brother Nate. I'm going to blow some stuff up. Not my fingers. I want to blow some stuff up. I want to celebrate. I, wanna, I just want to be thankful for this. I'm an American. That doesn't mean I'm endorsing every bad thing that's in our nation's history, but it does mean I'm thankful for the nation that we get to enjoy. Hallelujah. Yeah, amen. I'm okay with that. Celebrating Christmas. 
Celebrating National You want to celebrate Valentine's Day, you celebrate Valentine's Day. Well, boy, there's nothing you say, well, we choose not to celebrate. That's fine. I'm just telling you here, Mordecai recognized the deliverance of God and his blessing, and he said, we're going to set aside these two days in which we were given the ability to defend ourselves and in which we were given rest from our enemies, which were turned from mourning to joy, which were turned from sorrow to a good day. We are going to set aside two days, and you know what we're going to do? We're going to party. Now, not the world's kind of party, and some of y'all get nervous right now. It's not what I'm talking about. But you can celebrate and honor God at the same time. Amen. Bust me out some Dr. Pepper. <laughs> get some Red Bull if you're going to stay up all night. Because some of you, that made your head hurt right there when I said Red Bull. Man, grill some hot dogs and some hamburgers. And then we're going to invite everybody over and we're going to share it. You know why? Because we're excited about what God has given us. Celebrating what God has done. That's what they're trying to do. He says, and, but notice this, they should make, make them, intentionally put forth effort to make them days of feasting and joy. Meaning we need to be excited about what has happened in our past. And we need to remember it, we need to reflect upon it, and we need to be glad about it. And then we need to do good to those around us, especially those who don't have the ability to do good for themselves. They would send portions one to another and gifts to the poor. We just want to bless people who don't necessarily enjoy everything to the degree that we do. And it really seems like what they're trying to do here is to celebrate what God has done and then to emulate God's goodness by being nice to those around them good way to celebrate. I want to celebrate his goodness. I want to emulate his goodness. On these days, they're to remember and to celebrate what? They're to remember what Haman had done and how close they were to extinction. They need to remember what Esther did by faith. It says in verse number 26, wherefore they called these days Purim after the name of Pur. Pur is a singular Persian word. Purim is, from what I read, is a plural Hebrew word. And the idea is that this is to celebrate over the course of days, not a day. And it's simply referring to feasting and celebrating and having a party in a right way. To celebrate the work of God. Notice what happens in verse number 27. So Mordecai sends out these letters Notice in verse 27, the Jews ordained and took upon them and upon their seed and upon all such as joined themselves unto them. Look back up here for a second. Do you remember when all of this was going on that there was a significant, there were a significant amount of conversions that happened because the fear of God through the Jews fell on people and they're like, hey, we want to be in that. We want to, if God is working like that, we want to be a part of that. And so they're recognizing those who have been born, those who will be born, those who will join themselves to our faith and to our people. Back in verse 27, so as it should not fail that they would keep these two days according to their writing and according to their appointed time every year and that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation every family, every province, and every city, and that these days of Purim should not fail from among the Jews, nor the memorial of them perish from their seed. 
So the Jewish people, they take responsibility, they recognize the significance of what God has done, and they understand the importance of them remembering, and so they take it upon themselves. They ordain it. There was a cooperative effort to develop the mentality that these days must be protected, they must be reserved, they must be honored, and on these days we are going to remember the work that God has done for us. And then they just go, they make sure they cover every basis upon themselves, the present, upon their seed, the future, upon those that would join them. And then he says, upon every generation, every family, every province, and every city. Basically, if you can't claim to be a Jew and to follow God, then you are obligating yourself to celebrate his work on our behalf on these two days, every year, throughout every generation, without fail. Someone could say, I mean, they must really have liked to party. No, no. Well, Mordecai just wanted to add another feast day that they had to keep. No, it doesn't say anywhere in here that God told him to add this. I believe he was led of God, but, I mean, it wasn't, wasn't forced. Here's what was going on. They just really wanted God's people to remember what God had done for them. So in verse 29 through verse 32, Esther sends out letters to confirm the letters of Mordecai and adds to it that level of royal authority. In verse 31, to confirm these days of Purim in their times appointed. Verse 32, in the decree of Esther, confirmed these matters of Purim, and it was written in the book. You see, it mattered to those, not only Mordecai and Esther, but when you go back to verse number 27 and you read the Jews ordained, it mattered to those who had lived through that trial and experienced the miraculous deliverance of God that what took place be remembered. And it mattered that those who came along afterwards knew about it. This was their, this was their mindset, and this is the statement. The work of God on our behalf must be remembered. It must be remembered. You say, no, what's the big deal about that? Let me give you a few thoughts. Number one, God should be appreciated for what he's done. You know, we have a what have you done for me lately mentality in this country, don't we? That's how kids treat their parents. That's how employees treat their employers. That's how people look at a whole bunch of different things. Hey, what have you done for me lately? It's how a coach can win a championship and then in two years they get fired. And it's like, did you forget what he, what, where he took this program? Did you forget the dogs you were in this league? And it's like, oh, you get a taste, you get a, you get a little taste of the glory and all of a sudden you think you're going to win the title every year and you forget how hard it is. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. What have you done for me lately? We can be that way with God. And sometimes it's just good for us to pause and just to thank God for all the things he's done for us already up to this point. You got something? Could you spend a minute? Could you spend a few minutes? Could you spend a few hours just checking down the list? God, thank you for this. God, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this, peop this person. Thank you for these people. Thank you for this intervention. Thank you for this help. Thank you for this word. Thank you for this truth. Thank you for all of these different things that you've done. God should be appreciated for what he's done. It's so easy. It's so easy to remember the bad, isn't it? 
Look, this, I'm, I do not want this to be misunderstood, okay? I don't want it to be misunderstood. And, and I'm not being critical. I just, I see this. There's a, a battle that goes on. So we've started back with adult Sunday school, and this is, this is one of the habits in the Sunday school class. We have a prayer request time, but we also have a praise time. And sometimes it is really hard for people to say anything good about what happened during the week, and yet we, have, we can have an extensive list about the bad things that we're concerned about. Is it wrong to mention the bad things? No. But a lot of times we only focus on the bad to the neglect of being mindful of the good that God has done. Now, this is also possible. Sometimes the bad is so difficult and overwhelming, and you have, the, you have those moments and you have those seasons. I'm not, I'm not saying that you don't have those difficulties and those trials, but the tendency is, the human tendency is, that it's easy, easier for us to remember the bad stuff that happened instead of also remembering along with that the good that God has done in our lives. And I understand that there are seasons that can be really difficult, but even in those, and before and after and through, there are evidences of God's good work in your life. It's easy to remember the bad and forget the good. It's easy to focus on the bad and to be distracted from the good. But in all of that, God deserves to be appreciated for what he's done. Don't, don't go out on this point and say, Pastor just thinks we should never talk about the things that we need or the things that are hurting us in the moment. That's not at all what I said because God makes it clear in his word. He's a very present help in time of trouble. And he tells us that we're to, with thanksgiving, make our request known unto him. He wants us to talk to him about everything that's bothering us, every day that's bothering us. He's a loving father. But at the same time, we should value him not just for what we want him to do. We should value him for what he's done already. Appreciate it. Number two, another reason we need to remember the work that God has done, God's work should provide hope for the future. You know why remembering what he's done is helpful? Because there are going to be other challenges that you face down the road. No, we don't know. We don't know what they looked like, but there were other challenges that these families and these, and these people and the, that they faced and the difficulties they would have gone through. And it's easy in the moment to get discouraged. It's easy in the moment to feel hopeless. It's easy to think something like this. Well, you know, the, our best days are behind us. Like I've been, not just me, a lot of people have been saying this for a while, but I was saying it from the beginning. There is no way, there is no way that certain certain types of leaders in our country clamp down and begin to take personal freedom and restrict life, that they're just all of a sudden going to give it back as though they never took any of it. It's just not human nature, and the way that the, the style of governing that some people give themselves to, they there are things in this country that are never going to be like they were pre-COVID. And you know what that can make people think? Man, that our best days as a church are just behind us. Because God's churches have never faced trials before. Because this is the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of humanity. Yeah, Paul never knew anything about difficulty. Churches in the Roman government never knew anything about difficulty and trial. 
God's people never faced challenges. God's people never had to deal with difficulties before. You're right. This is the first time it's ever happened. Wait, what's, what's the point you're trying to make? That just because things aren't the same, and I don't personally believe they'll ever completely go back to the way that they were. Here's what I do know. God's still on the throne. And he's, that, he's still on the throne whether I say it with a high pitch or in a low tone. God is God. God is God. He is God all the time. He knew this was coming. He's not upset about it. He's not worried about it. He's in control. And West Valley Baptist Church, though they may not look exactly the same as they would have pre all of these things, there can still be really good days ahead. Some of you just need to get down at the altar and you need to, read to, need to remember how God worked before. And if that God is still God, he can keep on working. Hallelujah. So, man, we need to have some hope for the future. Man, we need to have some dreams for the future. We need to have some, some God-given goals for the future. We need to believe that God can change some people's lives. We need to believe that God can do things with property. We need to believe that God can help us have an influence. We need to believe that God can help us plant some churches. We need to believe that God can help some people be delivered from some addictions. We need to believe that God can intervene in a number of ways over and over and over again. And when we're in these moments where it seems as though we're constricted and we don't have the ability to function like we used to, used to we can look back and we can say man God you did that then and you're still God now so I imagine you just can keep on working today hallelujah give you hope for the future it gets so easy just to get so depressed remember as a I don't know how old I was like six there are these dumb books 88 reasons Jesus will come in 1988 and then that didn't happen, and the goober thought, 89 reasons Jesus will come in 1989. And man, I heard growing up, I remember this as a little kid, people saying, people making this statement, man, it's just so bad, I, I just can't imagine what it's going to be like for our children. You ever thought that way? Ever made that statement? Yeah, I'm concerned about it, but can I tell you this? The God that was God when your parents were concerned is the God that is still God now that you're a parent and you're concerned. And the God that worked when your parents' parents were concerned is the same God that can work now that your parents' parents are no longer and now that you are raising your children and you're watching your children get ready for adulthood. Man, I don't want Alexandra. She gets ready to go to college. I don't want Emma Dewey or whoever else you want to talk about. I don't want them hanging their head thinking, man, God just can't really do anything with my life. God can't really work. God can't really bless. What kind of God do we serve? Man, think back to what God has done. Remember how he changed your life. Remember how he's intervened. Think about the people that he's helped and have some hope for the future. Hallelujah. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying there won't be challenges, but God is still God and he can still work. So we ought to be, have some hope for the future. I refuse. I refuse to believe that these churches' best days are behind it because I believe that God can still do some great things. Not because of me, because of him. God's work in the past provided hope for the future. Number three, this isn't as exciting, but it's really important. God's work in the past should provide direction for the future. I want you to look back at verse number 27. The Jews ordained and took upon them and upon their seed and upon all such as joined themselves unto them. 
that these days should be remembered in verse 28 and kept throughout every generation. This happened in the history of Israel, Brother Cook. It happened in Judges over and over again. Happened in the days of Solomon. You know what happens? You experience how good God is and you get comfortable. And it's so good. Man, why don't we try something new? Why don't, why don't we try something different? You have some kids that they were, they were just toddlers and infants when you were begging God, how are we going to escape from wicked Haman? They don't know anything about the tears you cried except for what you tell them. They don't know anything about the battles that you fought. And then there were children born after them and your children that were going through that crisis during their childhood. They're now having their own children and you have these generations that see this celebration during the month of Dar on the 14th and 15th day and you're celebrating what God did. And they might ask something like this, why are we always living in the past? As though remembering the goodness of God is a bad thing. Honoring him for what he's done is a bad thing. And so as, as the generations move along, you have some generations that come to the forefront. And they don't know the suffering of those days. They don't know the fear of those days. They don't know the miraculous deliverance seemingly out of nowhere from those days. They just simply know this. that What y'all do and how you do it isn't the way the world does it. We just want to try to celebrate. We want to try to do some things in a different way. We want to go a different route. We want to try out some new gods. You know, we're in this foreign kingdom, and there's all kind of gods that they endorse there. And we have this freedom to worship kind of whatever we want. And y'all are still celebrating the month of Dar. Man, Esther and Mordecai, they've been dead a long time, and things are going really well. Why don't we just try some new stuff? You know what part of this was motivated by? In a desire to help the generations remember there is no God like the God that your parents served. There is no God like the God that your grandparents served. And it doesn't matter what idol, it doesn't matter how good the culture looks, you're not going to find anybody that can do what your God does. Don't go off trying new things just because it seems old. In the moment, those celebrations were very relevant. But enough time passes and everything can seem archaic or outdated. I just want to tell you, the Bible that was good is still good. No, the word that was good is still good today. Mm. And it's still going to be good when this voice is silent in the grave. And my son, Fiavi, is preaching the word. <laughs> no, it'll say, no, the book has been good in every generation. And there's these ideas coming along that, man, we, we really need to get away from confrontational preaching. We really need to get away from treach, preaching the truth of the word of God. Culture doesn't really tolerate anymore preaching, pre preaching godly truth, preaching biblical conviction, preaching the truth about Jesus Christ, preaching the truth about gender, preaching the truth about sexual purity, preaching the truth about morality, preaching the truth about addiction, preaching the truth about the life-changing power of Jesus Christ and how he should produce love and not hate, how he should produce joy and peace and not fear, how he should produce confidence and not anxiety. That there, there's not a room for that kind of preaching. We just kind of more, we got to entertain people and we got to engage people through the world's means. You can go that route, but you're not going to get the same result. 
You know what, if I'm living back in those days, this is what I want. I want the same God that did for Esther and Mordecai what he did. I want him to do some stuff in my life. But I'm not going to get that if I'm out trying some other God. You want what your parents enjoyed? You got to follow the God that your parents followed. Young people, I just want to encourage you. Your mom and dad aren't perfect, but man, you look at what God has done in their life. You say, I want that. You don't get it from something else. You don't get it from a different kind of church. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute. God, uh, listen, God can use whoever he wants, wherever he wants. But we want to be as close to him as possible. We want those results that only come from his word and his truth being preached. Man, the wonderful grace of Jesus will be outdated as a song, but that message won't ever get old. It, it, but it wasn't just supposed to provide direction for those who would come along in future generations. It was supposed to provide direction for those who would join them. Listen, I make this statement to everyone in one way or another, and I don't do it perfectly, but I try to remind people, everyone that would join West Valley Baptist Church, you're joining us, we're not joining you. Say, what do you mean by that? God's been working here. And that doesn't mean he's not been working in other places, but he has been working here. And so, listen, we're not perfect, we're willing to grow, we're willing to recognize where we're wrong, but just because there's new people that come, that doesn't mean all of a sudden we start doing things differently than the way that God has been blessing them. And I, I just want to remind, I want to remind people about this. I want to remind people that have joined, people that are thinking about joining. I want to remind people that one day might join or might not join, whatever the case is. If you come to a place like West Valley and you say, man, I am really helped by that kind of ministry, but then you find something that, man, you have a little bit of a different view on it. Can I encourage you with this? Unless you have a biblical reason where you can obviously say, this is definitively wrong, then this is what you ought to say. I may not agree with everything, but here's what I know. I am helped by that word. I am helped by that spirit that's there. I am helped by that fellowship. I think I'm just going to be okay and get on board, hallelujah. You say, I want something different. Well, I mean, what's been good is still good. So be helped by it. It doesn't mean that I'm perfect. It doesn't mean this church family's perfect. But if it's working, just be on board. Okay, I, I'm not even making a joke. <laughs> Some of y'all are going to be mad about this. I'm going to sleep good tonight. How many of you have Tom Brady fatigue? Mainly because I've been talking about it so much. Yeah, Brother Andy, I'm glad to see that hand, bro. Got no sympathy for you, homie. It's all good. Yeah, Matt Wilkie over here, he's been crying to me about the 49ers. <laughs> Fee of I, man, yeah, man, you two can have a counseling session together later. You know, listen, listen, I know sports has its flaws and limitations. I just, there's something over the course of 21 years, Tom Brady has more championships than any franchise in the NFL. And they have something this, they call it the, the Patriot way or the Tom Brady way, and there's all kind of debate about this. Here, here's the point, that if there is an effective way of doing things that keeps producing results, why would you keep trying to find something different? Okay, that's just sports. It doesn't matter. 
man, if this book has produced good stuff in your life, then why do you want to go looking for something new? If this, is hel- if this has helped marriages, why would you want something different? If this has helped moms and dads raise their children, why would you want something different? If this has helped people overcome addiction, why would you want something different? If this book has comforted you in times of great sorrow, why would you want something different? And I just want to say, this isn't a mean statement. I just want to tell you, don't come and join West Valley thinking I'm going to move them a little bit. By the grace of God, ain't nobody moving us anywhere except to follow Jesus Christ, hallelujah. And if what we're doing is working, we're just going to keep trying to do that, hallelujah. You say, well, I don't like the way everything's done in the youth group. That's the way it's going, and it's been working by the grace of God. Well, I don't like the way this happens. It's the way it's working, and God's been blessing it, and we're just going to keep on riding that train, hallelujah, by the grace of God. I hope that comes across with the right spirit, because I'm really not mad. I'm really not mad. I'm not. I'm not. I just want us all to be on the same page, that if he was and he still is, then he still can, and we just need to stay on board with him, stay on board. The work of God must be remembered. It must be remembered because it helps us to appreciate him for who he is. It gives us hope for the future, and it provides clear direction for how we ought to move ahead in the future. Let's all stand together. I honestly, I wrestled. I, I, have, I have no idea what question to ask. And I always try to conclude a service with a specific question. Maybe you just need to take a minute and you've kind of gotten this what have you done for me lately attitude. And you just need to spend a minute before God and say, God, thank you. Thank you for what you've done that doesn't mean you're not asking for more. It does mean you spend some time being grateful for what he has done. Maybe you need to, maybe you need to get some hope for the future. You kind of got bummed out. You've been watching too much news and you've gotten overwhelmed and you've gotten bummed out. And you just need to recognize that the, the sun's still rising and the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. You need to have some hope. Maybe you need to have some direction. Maybe in your life you're wrestling with which direction to go. And you're wrestling with how things need to be handled. And and you need to look back to what God has done in the past. And if this is what he's used in the past, then, man, don't forsake. Don't forsake the one who has done so much for you and the means he has used you. Don't forsake to help you. Don't forsake that. The work of God must be remembered. If the Lord has spoken to you in any way while Brother Nate sings, he's so good to me, you respond to the Lord. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. He died for me. He died for me. He died for me. 
Prayer. 